Hi, welcome to Plant Pals. I'm your host, Mike. This is my podcast where I talk to my pals about plants, if you couldn't guess. This week, my pals are Jasmine and Amy, aka the Pine Drop Sisters. Here we go. My, my friends and I would just listen to the same Primus snippet like over and over and over again. Oh, God. Cool. <laughs> um, That's awesome. All right. So who would like to introduce the both of you? Oh, my. Oh, boy. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Amy. All right. So <laughs> we are Jasmine and Amy. We are the Pine Drop Sisters. Um, also, uh, Northwest Natura, which is sort of more of the in-person uh like bushcraft and ethnobotany ecology courses that Jasmine is spearheading right now. Um, we're on TikTok and Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel, although we're not really as much up to date on that one. But uh, a lot of a lot of fun videos, informative, and um, you know, instructive activities and things like that that we share on Instagram and TikTok. Sweet. Yeah. When did this all start? I feel like I had seen <laughs> Northwest Natura floating around for a while in the ether. And then all of a sudden, like, Pine Drop Sisters came out. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> um, it might have been the opposite, actually. Oh, yeah? Because we always had Pine Drop Sisters as our handle. But we, if you see us th- out there and we like your story or something, it'll say Northwest Natura liked your story. So our first and last name is Northwest Natura <laughs> on our Instagram, if that makes sense. But our handle is Pine Drop Sisters. So it's, like, always been... Um, the same i don't know it's confusing and we know it's confusing but (laughs) (laughs) basically uh pine drop sisters started in the end of 2020 right amy yeah and we couldn't really decide on our favorite name so we picked two and we were like that can be justified because we are the pine drop sisters and we are uh northwest natura like that's the umbrella that we operate under if we ever wanted to do in-person courses and stuff and only one of us was there, it would be weird to say like Pine Drop Sisters presents, you know, Bushcraft 101 and then it's led by just one. It's like, hi, I'm Jasmine. I am the Pine Drop Sisters. <laughs> so it's like, I'm Jasmine with Northwest Natura. And when we're together, we're the Pine Drop Sisters. That's savvy. That's a good idea. I got to learn yeah. branding. branding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. We're experts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you get into it? Like when, cause I definitely had a phase when I was kind of learning that there's like plants and jobs in the woods that I could do where I was like, I need to learn how to build everything out of everything. Like I was going to drop out on a piece of land and build a solar greenhouse and just yeah. be gone. And then yeah. my hyperfixation shifted to the next thing. But mm-hmm. so it's really cool. Like you know your shit from what I can tell. Like you just had the, the baskets and you, uh, do you work with leather at all or did I make that up? Ooh, um, I don't work with leather. I'm trying to think of maybe something that you saw. Might have been the drums. There was a pouch raffle. Oh, the drums. Yeah. Drums, uh, yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, our friend Aaron uh, just taught us for like, it was like a Yule activity. He just taught us all how to make drums. So we all used like, a, I think it was like white tail deer hide. Uh, mm-hmm. and sinew and 
um, she taught us that whole process. So that was, that was pretty cool. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so were you into it as kids? Mm. Amy, you want to go first? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I grew up being pretty outdoorsy. Uh, my, my entire family, both on my, um, like my mom and my dad's side and as well as my stepdad, like always done outdoor things, whether it's like camping or fishing, skiing, snowboarding, like all sorts of stuff. So, um, I kind of grew up going to like Yellowstone in the summer or Colorado and, um, doing a lot of hiking and horseback riding, all of that. So, um, I would say that I was definitely raised with a lot of like outdoor activities growing up. Um, I wasn't necessarily interested in like botany or ecology, um, earlier on that kind of took a little bit. It was like more so once I got out of high school and I was kind of interested in health and nutrition. Um, and I was looking into like herbal medicine, started taking a bunch of classes on my own, um, for, uh, wild crafting and ethnobotany within this region. And that it just kind of took off from there and ended up going into environmental science. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I can edit this part out, but are you guys real sisters? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it in to embarrass myself, but I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they're sisters. Yeah. I don't know. Which that's right. one of the reasons why we went with Pine Drop Sisters was because uh, when we first started working together in the summer of 2019 for the Botanical Survey and Monitor Project, uh, okay. it was like a field botany project out of Western Washington University. Um. Everywhere we went while we were working together, we would like go into a gas station and the teller would be like, are you two sisters? You two must be sisters, like always. <laughs> and then we worked together at a restaurant for a while. And like I came in several, several years after she did. And she had been there for a while. And I would I would go up to people that were regulars and they'd be like, oh, Jasmine. I'm like, no, nope, that's she's over there. But uh, I get it. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, Damn, that is a trip. That's why I like going into these cold. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I thought of calling you earlier, Amy, and being like, if he asks for sisters, you should say yes, and then I'll say no. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, okay. Uh, anyways, moving on. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's like we don't even really look that much alike, but I, get, I think when we're together, we share a lot of the same mannerisms, and we're both pretty tall, mm-hmm. and we have brown hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> have bad object permanence. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, tall, dark, dark, hair, dark hair must be related. <laughs> just yeah, <laughs> I gotta ask. <laughs> like, why do you need to ask yeah. anyway? Yeah. But it's just curious, I guess. Yeah. Um, so. You met on a botany survey crew? We met before that, actually. We took okay. ethnobotany in 2014. Was that what uh, we said? 2016? Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. remember now. 2014. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, man, we really should have connected before this to get all of our lives in order. <laughs> I didn't study. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 2014, because it yeah. wasn't 2013, and it wasn't 2015. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so we took a, an ethnobotany course at uh, our community college, local community college, and that was where we met. But we didn't really get to know each other super well until we kind of reconnected and our, cro- our paths recrossed, and we were doing the survey and monitor project together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what kind of ecosystems were you guys looking at with that? Everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Well, I think it, it varied among people who were field botanists for the project. Um, so the first, I guess, half of the summer that I went out, I had a different partner and we did a lot of subalpine stuff, but then like lowland um, fields that were developed. So we were trying to find historical, we had historical data on plants that once were found in these areas. And so we had coordinates sometimes, sometimes we didn't, we just had a description. And so it was this fun scavenger hunt to see if we could find the ecosystem that said plant would grow in, even if we didn't have coordinates. And a lot of the time we would just run into like a parking lot or um, something like that and say, no, this, this sinicula is not gonna be here. Um, or whatever. Uh, so sometimes it was no habitats at all. And other times we were hiking way, way up into the mountains. And I think Amy, um, Amy, when we weren't working together, she was doing like rivers and wetlands and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we yeah. started in like Southern coastal Oregon and moved in like on the, along the Rogue River and did a lot of that with um, my partner and I that were working together, like that whole chunk of time until Jasmine joined us. And then we kind of, yeah, kind of changed course. We were on the, yeah. We were on the Olympic Peninsula. Um, and then we did our, our home County, Whatcom County up in the, the hills. So that was really fun. Uh, Clallam County on the Olympic Peninsula was also really fun. We got to go to some subalpine lakes and stuff. And basically it's like, we're looking for a target species, but once we find it, we have to survey a hundred meters um, squared around it. Was that it? hundred meters? Did uh, I say that wrong? I th yeah, I think it was like a hundred meter radius. Square feet. Uh, square foot radius. Whatever. hundred meter radius around the plant population. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. So, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know about square, but, or maybe it wasn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been a few years now. <laughs> yeah. Since then, but yeah. That's so cool. I've never actually been, actually, no. I drove through Washington once and I mm. went through the eastern part. Ooh. So I have not really been to like the classic Washington. What everybody oh, knows dang. it for. I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was, I was, I think I was listening to a podcast at the time I was on whatever highway goes through the eastern half, like through, um, God, is it Tacoma? I 90? Yeah, on the like, oh, this side. is like the drifter killer highway of America. And there was oh a guy God. like thumbing on the side. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so different over there. So once you get past, um, I forgot what town it is, but what is it? I want to say Nisqually, but it's totally not that. But around Ellensburg, going east, it just dries up. It's so different than the west side of the Cascades. No, that rain shadow it's is crazy. crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, have you cool. been to the Palouse Falls? No. And Palouse keeps coming up. The last episode I keep referring to um, was a person that did their master's thesis on uh, microbial interactions on the Palouse. Sorry if I got that wrong if you're, if you're listening. But um, <laughs> basically just like, like, oh yeah, we have this huge massive prairie called the Palouse and it's crazy and we have these little islands of different habitat. And I was like, that sounds amazing. And then she's like, it's all gone. I was like, oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. It's all cheat grass. Yeah. God. <laughs> or something. Like, I don't actually know. I'm just making that up. But there's a cheat grass problem over there. So you I'll said Palouse <laughs> Falls? 
Yeah, well, the Dry Falls, um, I think it's the same area. So I'm not a huge expert on east side stuff. Um, we usually stick to our region over here a lot, but I have visited, I think it's called Palouse Falls. There's the Palouse Falls and then there's the Dry Falls. I think they're different and I've been to both. Um, but yeah, down in, I think Palouse Falls are next, next to like Washtukna and I've done some like field geology stuff around there. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, like it was like a, I didn't do the field geology, but I, I actually said that wrong. It was more like a, a tour of what people have done field geology wise and learned a lot about that area as far as rocks go, but not plants, unfortunately. Yeah, they, um, that's kind of the area where those massive glacial lakes burst all at once and like carved out Ooh, Snake yeah. River Gorge. Yeah. The, like in the Columbia and everything. Columbia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the craziest thing ever. Like, it's I get so cool. why every culture has a flood story. <laughs> Apparently, at one point, shit was just popping off yeah. for like a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the landscape over there is really crazy. And, um, dry falls is something that is connected to all those floods. And it's just this eroded basin where the falls are pretty much all dried up. Like the, the eroded basin is massive and this waterfall is just like a little trickle, Hmm. but it used to be really big. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so going back to bushcraft. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things you guys have created? The drums you were talking about, those are super cool. Um, baskets, I said, I don't know if I just made that up. Um, yeah. You didn't know. No, f- you didn't. Okay. No, no, you didn't. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> um, like, what are, the, what are some of the favorite things you've learned how to make? Like, how'd you learn to make them? Um, mm. Just like, that's a whole different ecosystem. I don't even know what's available up there to build with. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, there's there's I all sorts of stuff. I, um, I think one of the one curious. of the things that's really cool, uh, at least I think like for I'm just kind of referring back to like when Jasmine and I first met, um, like when we were in our ethnobotany class, the instructor for that, Abe Lloyd, really got us into um, learning a lot of the ways that indigenous peoples have always just like you know utilized a lot of the plants in this area, obviously with ethnobotany, but. Um, I think some of my favorite stuff was like learning about some of the like bent wood boxes and and um, just kind of like the cooking uh, methods, I guess. But probably one of the most recent things that I'm really stoked about. I mean, Jasmine taught me how to build a fire with like the, you know, the ferro rod and and knife and all of that and, and gathering materials and stuff. And I think that was probably the most empowering experience, like being able to just do it on your own. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and making the boxes out of the ivy, or sorry, the baskets out of ivy more recently was really fun and is kind of giving me some inspiration for hopefully some more materials in the future for like harvesting and, and utilizing those and being, you know, a little bit more skilled in that because those were pretty warpy and we were just kind of testing it out, but it was fun. Yeah, um, my uh, video just cut out a second ago so i'm not sure if you mentioned what you did for your ethnobotany project oh i didn't say specifically uh no i i more so went for like because my main interest initially for getting into plants was like herbal medicine sort of applications so i really looked into like uses of 
plants that are native to our area that were used or are used for uh, like cough and cold uh, flu virus type stuff. So I collected a bunch of stuff like that, dried it and put it all in like a big jar of just like assorted things. Um, and that was my ethnobotany project that I worked on. So <laughs> yours was, what was yours again, Jasmine? What did you end up doing? I made a recurve longbow yeah. out of you, you would Western you. So cool. Um, yeah. It's hanging on the wall back there. Oh, cool. Uh, um, sorry for everybody that's listening that came. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I made that with, um, traditional tools, um, an ax and a knife. Um, these, when I say traditional, I mean, no power tools until it got to this point where, um, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get it smooth enough in time for the deadline of the project. So I took a sander to it and, um, and then after, after I got it sanded down as far as I could, I, uh, with the help of our ethnobotany teacher, Abe Lloyd, uh, went to his house and we heated it up and bent it around a bucket in two ways on both sides. So it's got this kind of wavy uh, flying bird sketch look to it. Uh, that was really fun, but uh, probably not my favorite thing that I've ever made because it was a huge process. <laughs> and um, it's, I don't, I haven't even shot it because I'm like, if this thing freaking breaks, I'm going to die. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Display only. Yeah. But like Amy, I really enjoy using our native plants um, or at least learning about how to use our native plants and um, just having that knowledge locked in my head. Um, so the traditional bow plant around here is the Western U. So I was actually privileged enough to have a stave of Western U provided to me by my, or our professor. And he made a bow too alongside me. And I'm, I don't know, it was, he was embarrassed about what his ended up looking like compared to mine. <laughs> so, all right, you made it better than his then. That's the student yeah. becomes the teacher. <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought that it was going to be an easy A because I was working with him, but, you know, definitely did all my own work. Uh, so I was like, yeah, cool, easy A. And he knows how much work I put into this. And then I didn't do a good enough presentation on it. Like, I was really unorganized. Like, I just went up there and, like, off the cuff said, ta -da. this is my butt, ta-da, <laughs> and this is how I made it. And then he gave me an A-. minus. Uh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, he's right though. I should have I should have worked harder on that <laughs> presentation. I would have been calling everyone I know. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um no, that's cool. Like just that introduction of like when you first like I was saying earlier, like just understanding that you don't live in a divide, like you you know, obviously, like do your deal, dil do your due diligence. Jesus. Um, nice. <laughs> don't eat strange mushrooms that you just find. But like, yeah, there's tasty berries just growing out there. Like, you just gotta mm. know where they're at. Like, that was I was mm -hmm. such a goofball stoner, like in Massachusetts when I was 19, and I'd like go run away and come back with like a handful of like onions and blueberries. And I'm like, nice. What are you doing? I'm like, you can eat wow. these. This is incredible. <laughs> there's food everywhere. How did you yeah. know? I, I was doing my own like side research. Like that was when I was wow. realizing that there's like plants and the whole world out there. So that was like the perfect segue of being like, because like I'm like nature's so big. I don't even know how to like look up the name of the plant. I don't know the name of because I don't know yeah. how to Google it. You know. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so, you yeah can't just that like it. inroad of like oh uh what is edible around here and then you get a genus name and then all of a sudden you know the genus and the family and then you move across the entire country and have to do it all over again a couple of years later yeah <laughs> yeah seriously oh i've thought about that so sometimes i have daydreams of moving to iceland or <laughs> whatever somewhere else and I'm like i don't think i can because i just know too much about this area and when i go somewhere else i'm gonna feel like i don't have any any identity <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like i identify so much with the pacific northwest at this point that i would be lost if i lived anywhere else <laughs> so i don't know how you did that good yeah. job yeah well it was the first job that would hire me out of college so i was like okay not that hard of a choice you know it's the middle of winter in massachusetts so i could go live in orange county for six months like yeah i'll, I'll give that a shot you don't live in Orange County anymore, though, do you? No, I'm up in Santa Cruz County now. Like cool. The very tail end of the Redwoods. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I bounced around the West for a minute. I was in Montana for a summer, doing very similar to your job. Like, our crew leads would kind of just assign these points that were more or less birds I viewed from Google Earth based on habitat. Uh-huh. And then we just, regardless of what's in between where you can park and where it is, we'd have to hike up to it and, like, survey yeah. it. And it was fun as hell. I was learning tons of plants and just running around the Rockies all summer. But yeah, it was gnarly because I was so... Because there's no predators in New England. Like, there's coyotes. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a stray wolf or two in Maine every now and again. Like, it makes the news. There's black bears, (laughs) but I've always maintained that they're big raccoons if they're not being violent towards you. But we had, like... Those are the only predators, you mean? Yeah, like, any any sort of big forest creature that's not a deer. It's going to be, like one of those things but we had oh, okay, grizzly yeah. bears like i remember not sweating from hiking it was just like the cold sweat of like is there a bear here oh my god like where the fuck am i wolf print mount lion scratch like oh my god i'm Whoa. at the top of the dog it was so cool though not being like the top of the food chain for once it, like it really put me in my place I'm like no there's wolves and like you don't go out after dark like everyone said like nope you stay home at night like something might sniff on you yeah it was, it was yeah. so much fun that's how it was when I was little. Um, I'm from Ketchikan, Alaska, oh, which is, cool. yeah, it's, it's like, it's a really cool place for sure. And I haven't been back since we moved to Washington, but, um, it's kind of like an Island. I, I actually grew up thinking that we lived on an Island because you just can't get there, um, anywhere by, or you can't leave without going on a boat or a plane, but usually it's a plane. Um, but there's just like all these mountains behind us. So that's why it feels so isolated, but there was a curfew for children and adults, um, to stay in at night. There's a lot of grizzly bears, uh, roaming the streets and it was not uncommon to see them just walking down the road and like knocking all over all of the trash cans. Um, I actually woke up one, this will always stick with me, but I, I got so scared because I lived in the basement level of the house and, um, and this giant grizzly bear that had been shot a couple times um, around the neighborhood because it was bugging people. I think it might have been like trying to get dogs and cats and stuff. Um, It had been shot and it had like a a limp and it was like this crusty old bear like, you know, supposedly missing an eye. And uh, I had that image in my head for this this horrible bear that's like around. So I got to be inside and not allowed to go out after dark. And it's like dark at 3 p.m. So um, went to bed one night and then I heard the, a bear outside my, my window cause the trash cans are right outside my window and I peek out. Like it took me a long time to get the courage to like look out, but I looked 
out the window and it was like past my window. Like it was just like this huge fucking grizzly bear. Uh, so close, like only a pane of glass between me and it. And I was about seven and I was so freaking scared. And I've actually, I think that scarred me. Like I have a fear of grizzly bears, um, more than any other animal, like even more than people, people say, or people that I camp with say they're more afraid of humans out there, but grizzly bears, uh, they just get me. Like, I love them, but yeah, no, that's a healthy fear. They're thousand pound claw machines. Like, yeah, I love them, but holy shit. Like if anything's going to want to get you, (laughs) not to to freak you out more. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And they do, they'll maul you in your tent and drag you away. But then again, not all of them. Yeah. And that's, we're like, yeah, grizzly bears fucking kill you the second they (laughs) hit the chest. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get a lot of comments or emails on that. Cause, um, I think there is a defense, you know, we should be defensive of them as well. They don't always do that, but there are some wily ones out there. I've never Um, had anything sniff against a tent as far as I know. Like, I'm mm -hmm. always like bear canister, like I'll figure out, like, let's throw it up in the tree, whatever. Like the first, you know, twigs I hear before I fall asleep, I'm like, let's go, come on. Like, but I don't, as far as I know, I've had peaceful sleeps. Nothing's ever come and bugged me. Yeah, as far as you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a person standing over my tent the whole night. Yeah, right. So <laughs> ah. yeah, I don't know. Um, Amy and I. Oh yeah. Ooh. Go ahead. <laughs> I was say we've had a few uh, creepy experiences, but we also, I think, we're both night owls, and so I think when we go camping, we do a lot of the like, you know, let's just stoke the fire until like three o'clock in the morning. Um, and then by that point, you're just delirious and tired and, you know, every little oh, bump in the night just makes it. <laughs> no, that's but not what it's we like. Actually We're have, not delirious. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's real. the experiences that we had. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, this last time, especially, like, when we were going, we were going to see the larches, kind of. Um, it was, like, just near the, the pass. And uh, we were staying over near, like, Ross Lake. And we were on, I think it was Diablo Lake. And, you know, we're like right on the like shoreline of this like campground of Diablo. And it's like middle of the night, you know, pitch blackout. And we go out to the shoreline and we're just like hanging out, looking at the stars. And all of a sudden we just hear this like giant kerplunk of like what sounded like a big rock just like landing in the water, maybe like 10 feet away from us. And it was like over closer to the shoreline. And then so we turned our lights off and we're just like looking around like, what what the heck? What is that? You know, just trying to stay quiet and see if we can hear anything. And I think it was like maybe a minute or two later, we hear another kerplunk, but it was like further out into the water, like more directly straight away from us. Anyway, it was enough to freak us out that we like went back to our camp. I, yeah, we went back to the, the campsite and moved Amy's tent closer to mine. Yeah. And <laughs> it was scary. Um, because what was kerplunking in the water? It was like a a definite like surface breakage yeah. and not like a up. It wasn't like from the bottom. Well, that's good. It wasn't coming in. out of the lake. It wasn't coming out and going back in. It's there wasn't mask. two kerplunks. Like, a, yeah, God, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So we turned our lights on and we actually scanned the side of the bank to see, like, maybe it was a boulder that got loose, like eroded down and just, just so happened to fall, like, right when we were out here. Uh, but there was no bank. It was a very slight, like, you could be walking and then suddenly your feet would be in the water 
like so something was thrown something was or thrown. landed in it yeah see i can't do the whole <laughs> scanning the horizon looking for the sword i would rather because the <laughs> headlamps and flashlights have that horror movie filter on yeah them. they really I do i severely it's don't creepy. fuck with being like nothing nothing eyes nothing, yeah. nothing you know <laughs> <laughs> we were definitely uh yeah freaked out that we were going to see eyes at like our level or taller like yeah <laughs> it seemed like a classic uh sasquatch interaction <laughs> for sure and we you know the funny or scariest part about it is that it happened again like we were like oh, that was weird God. and then and then it the second kerplunk happened um, and then to boot, uh, when Amy and I finally retired to the tents, we, she fell asleep. She's a traitor. Like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard sticks crunching, uh, as soon as I turned out my light and, um, I turned my light on after hearing the, the, the walking come out of the willows. I knew exactly where it was, came out of the willows and onto the dry path that we had just been on. And I turned my light on because that meant that it was like coming into the camp. And I was like, hey, Amy, what do you think that is? And she's like, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You're asleep. Hi, I'm dreaming already. (laughs) There's something out there. And uh, I, I, I like put my, my headlamp up to the net or the mesh on my, my tent, but um, I had my rain fly all the way zipped down, so I couldn't, I couldn't see what it was. I turned my light off, and as soon as it got turned off, the walking started again. And it walked pretty close Ugh. to our tent, and it circled around. It went up to the cars, and then I couldn't hear it, but then I heard it come back. And I heard it stop really close to where we were, like just sleeping. And mm-hmm. um, then I didn't hear it again. I just, I was just like, it's it's standing there (laughs) but did it sound heavy yeah oh good but it could have been a deer and that's what i told myself in order to fall asleep yeah because i was thinking like if this is a freaking crazy sasquatch and it just grabs my tent or like screams or something i'm gonna freak out so i just had to tell myself it's not that because i'm not gonna look i'm not gonna open the tent and investigate like i'm not that kind of woman (laughs) <laughs> yeah no no absolutely, absolutely not, not. Like, <laughs> would you okay if you could know a hundred thousand percent that bigfoot is real but you could never tell another soul mm. would you go for that deal yes i am so curious yes for sure 100 percent. i'd probably take it yeah yeah. I can keep a secret. What's the alternative? It's like this Just is a would you rather Never question. Know. Yeah, well, it's the thing is because like if you know Bigfoot's real, if you if Bigfoot comes up and goes hi, I'm like, oh please, my father was Mister Foot, big. <laughs> and then like, but you can't tell anyone or I'll get you immediately. Oh. You know, like, wow, I would think I would still like just just to know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't believe in him, but like, I believe like in him, you know, yes. like I love, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> like, he, I him on. Yeah, I like, in come you. on, man. Like, I'm like, I just like, I'm like, the ecology brain takes over. I'm like, no, but I just I want him to be so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, fucking Roosevelt, I think, had an interaction with one. Oh, oh yeah. Just, yeah. I follow like three TikTok accounts and one of them is um you guys. The other one is <laughs> uh, like a Bigfoot like 
account and they're just like they're so it's just i i'm such a sucker for shaky camera footage oh my and, god like creepy music and like some dude bros and i'm out and be like what the fuck is that man yeah. oh my god it's running like, <laughs> i just i love it because that scared me so bad as a kid yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's no good to see that um in person just i mean if you having a camera out and talking about it is probably the best thing you can do for your mental health at that time because oh i'm very much like a talk it out as it's happening i'm like frozen in place but i'll like yada 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 the whole time oh. like, i'm like the worst horror movie <laughs> he's like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my everybody's god. just telling that. oh shit oh it's getting closer <laughs> like hey how are you what's going on here oh boy like oh shit <laughs> oh, we're gonna die we're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i would like to know and that would be that would be nice um I don't know. I, I like the way that you said your ecology brain kicks in and that's why you, you might not believe. Uh, that's a really good point. Um, I always come back to like how vast the wilderness is and how arrogant we have to be to, to say honestly that we know everything that is happening in those woods. So we don't know everything about the ecosystem in those old growth forests. And we, d we can say that we have it mapped and we know everything that exists in there, but we don't. Like, I don't I don't want to believe that. And I don't think that we actually do know it's too much land. So I, I like to go that route in my brain and it makes life more interesting. <laughs> oh, totally. I realized, I realized like my, um, I don't know, like response to sudden phenomena is totally warped for being, from being into all that stuff for so long. Like to get from town on the coast, Santa Cruz up to where I live, you have to take a pretty gnarly mountain road for a while. And it's like kind of cut into the mountain and it comes in and out. And then there's really steep embankments with uh, mountain biking trails all along it. And I was driving back one night and there was mountain bikers like, oh, usually they're done before dusk, but they had headlamps on their bikes. They're like little headlights, whatever. And um, there's two or three of them coming down the hill. And I was coming up the hill as they were coming down like 100 feet above me. And my brain just could not like gather what was happening. And so like, the split second was aliens and then i was like no it's not aliens. but i was like my brain went to aliens first yeah. <laughs> that's cool you watching a lot of ancient aliens recently or something? yeah right i was like oh i'm just so glad like the little bit of the, the wonder is still there like oh fuck it's it yeah. no it's not yeah. but you uh, thought for a second uh, yeah just I'm... the feeling of it's actually them oh damn it i really want to see a ufo as well i saw one you did you did yes i Tell cannot it. believe i've not glad about this yet i was back <laughs> in massachusetts in like 2017 and there's a power plant a nuclear power plant near where i grew up which is fun mm. um and <laughs> there's a state beach kind of just north of it it's out in the bay like right before cape cod starts cape codding and um <laughs> and so i was out there and we were like laying on the beach looking at the stars and I saw a satellite and I was like going to point out, I'm like, oh, this is a satellite. But you know how satellites are just like a star that goes in one direction? Um, it started doubling back on itself. Whoa. And I was like, well, huh, no, no, satellites don't do that. And then I was like, oh, well, it's a drone then. But drones have, as I understand them, four points with lights on them, the four propellers. And this had three. 
and there was just this black triangle like hovering in place like Ooh, kind of all the lights moving in tandem yeah. yeah right above me for like it, it was there for so long that like even me who should have been like shouting on a street corner the next day i was like yeah it's still there let's go do something else like wow. it just stayed but i was like wow there's a nuclear power plant there's a black triangle and i like did my research and apparently it's just army tech that hasn't been declassified yet uh, like the b-52 but um yeah i was yeah. so stoked Maybe. yeah but I'm a nuisance at parties. <laughs> the, the second I find my animal guy, like, you know, I saw you. I saw one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I've heard that, that it's like um, unannounced, uh, what's it called? Visitors. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, either that or... Um, the declassified. The, or de- still classified. Uh, still classified. Thank yet, you. <laughs> yet to be declassified, yeah. Yeah, military. But then technology. again, uh, there's UFO enthusiasts that give them a different name that because they're older, like they've been spotted uh, throughout history, so that you can doubt that it's actually a new technology that our government or some government has come up with. So they call them. I think it's the uh, TR3B or the TS3B or something. That's their UFO name. Huh. They yeah. just assigned to that, or is there like is that the latest to... in this? Did they start at AA one one and they I'm... all are PS three B? Like I don't know. That's I'm not lot. sure. It's a that's a lot <laughs> to get all the way up to TR. That's a lot. Um, no, I just have heard UFO enthusiasts call it that. So I I'd have to look up why they call it that. Maybe the army calls it that. I don't know. Just saying, they the Canadians tried to build a flying saucer in the fifties, right around the time all the flying saucers came. They got the idea from somewhere. Ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that's really cool, though, that you saw one. Whatever it was, it was unidentified. Yeah, I could not identify the flying object in front of me. Yeah, and that's good enough. Classic <laughs> UFO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's like always like the more people want to see it the less they're likely to like there's, there's that weird curse of ufos where the people who want to see it never do yeah. and i was like i was i mean my dad used to be like there's a ufo and i would just start bawling as like a toddler i was like Aww. fuck that i don't like any yeah. of that it's like whatever yeah <laughs> and i'm like dad i saw a ufo he's like yeah all right oh my gosh <laughs> wow you're lucky um i don't think i look up often enough um at the right time uh also, it's really cloudy around here, so... Yeah, a lot of clouds. We're at a disadvantage. Like, majority of the year, our yeah. skies are covered in clouds. So there is that. Have yeah. you got any of those storms that have been rolling through? No. I don't know how far really? up the West Coast oh, they made it. We got some wind. Yeah. We get a lo- we get winds pretty often here. Um, we get a lot of, like, gale force winds, but... I mean, I, I guess, yeah, a couple days ago, we had some pretty bad wind, but... Um, mm. I would say last year was like a heavy storm year, and we 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 had a lot of flooding, a lot of landslides. Um, mm-hmm. This year, it's it's much more mild. Have you been affected yeah. where you're living? Yeah, they're all flooded down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden is actually somewhere in town right now. Oh, really? Oh, no way. Yeah, he flew out to there's all these military helicopters and shit. He's checking out because the coastal communities got hit really hard. Yeah. Um, and then my town, there's a neighborhood up the street that they built on the floodplain and the plane flooded and so all these houses got wrecked um yeah it was bad i think most everybody was safe i haven't heard any stories of anything where it's happening but yeah it was it was pretty touch and go for me there was one day last week where i straight up 
could not leave town because wow. the road the road south to or west i guess to santa cruz was blown out road north was blown out road east the river had risen easily 25 30 feet Holy and was going shit. over the bridge yeah wow. and i was like i was just like checking off a list of roads i could take and i was like that's all of them wow. <laughs> that's yeah great. yeah wow uh the river went back down pretty quickly um Hmm. which was nice but yeah there i mean i'm basically like right outside of downtown that's like the main street strip you know um but it's only like a couple of blocks long and then you're back out in the boonies so i was like well i guess i technically have like everything i need to kind of kick it for a minute but i was like yeah i can't make it to work today uh i can't leave <laughs> literally <Valley."> can't yeah <laughs> yeah but you were in no danger of getting flooded. And- no, no, no. We're we're up a ways from the river. We have a little creek that likes to play peekaboo sometimes with the heavy mm-hmm. rains, but that's pretty responsive. If it's not raining, it goes back down. Okay. Yeah, last year we got a lot of flood rains, and uh, they were calling it the atmospheric river, and it flooded all of Sumas, which is a town north of us, <clears throat> super rural town. And you know, the problem is, is that Bellingham and all of the, the little... Um, outskirt towns north of us, <clears throat> excuse me, are in the Fraser River floodplain. So if anything happens, this area is just primed for flooding. It's we live in a giant wetland, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but downtown Bellingham didn't really get hit that bad. But over by my gym, like just just outside of downtown, it was under like four or five feet of water at some point, and a lot of cars underwater it was really creepy but it never really seemed like i don't know an evacuation status flood um but in sumas and everson and other places around there they were really fucked um their houses were underwater and the fields were buried underwater and stuff it was just really creepy and sad yeah oh wow the the future they were freaking out about 20 years ago starting to come around a little bit Mm -hmm. seriously wow it's crazy too because like so in so many of those places you know they'll just rebuild um Mm. rather than kind of seeing that as like uh, a little bit of a warning sign i mean it's the same thing with the wildfires right like wildfires come through and sweep through these mountainous areas and people continue to build higher and higher up into high-risk fire zones when you know that obviously combined with climate change is is just you know it's just disaster waiting to happen at that point yeah at least you can restart the fire regime once the big burn comes but like a flood's just gonna fucking flood yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's just gonna keep doing what it's doing that's a big thing in the santa cruz mountains we had the czu fire complex right before the year before i got here um huge swath of the redwoods burned um it's coming back now but like big basin uh state park national park not national state park um burned like 98 percent of it burned and it was all old growth and you know now i see it and it's like the skeleton trees that are starting to leaf out a little bit and it's just like it's gonna turn mostly into chaparral i think or oak woodland or something um but it was just it was so gnarly because i had visited the year before just kind of on a lark and it was like i was i commented to my friend i'm like it's so crazy you guys have this deep dark forest like right on the coast and then the next time i was there it was just gone wow yeah, but oh in God. that case, it's like, I don't know. I've tried to flip it with mega fires being like, no, this is like 
the first day of the rest of our lives. Like, <laughs> get a refire regime going again. Like, no, it, this is a good thing as long as yeah. nobody dies, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, we're just waiting for the fires to come up our way. We haven't had any forest fires um, near us, really. Like, been affected by smoke really bad. And just, I think the closest to us was this last year in index and British Columbia. So we were surrounded by two pretty big wildfires, but not yet in our County. That, that would be so sad. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, if not. anything, I would hope that it would happen sooner rather than later before it gets too dry here. I mean, my biggest concern is that it's like, you know, we're, we're getting longer droughts essentially in the summer throughout the Pacific Northwest. I mean, we're having some of our, losses really of some deciduous trees so it's like i mean really we need we need fire management more than anything you know yeah like <laughs> go go like burn some see some things in the off season when it's really damp um but you know it's all yeah. it's all a complicated issue of course there's layers to it and stuff so oh, yeah. yeah it's so strange being on the very southern end well southern stronghold anyways of redwoods because they're gonna go up your ways so it's like, you know, here it's like, oh my god, the redwoods are dying. This is it. Like, holy shit, this is the end. I'm like, well, no, they're just going north. Like, yeah, they're going to go somewhere. They have, you know, so long as the fog is there. But yeah, it's it's so, it's so fucking weird to see it happen, actually. Like, big changes like that all at once. Yeah. What are your thoughts on assisted migration? Ooh, I don't have enough facts to have a hard opinion because there's some well-meaning people that put rare species way out of range and then you're just spreading disease and God knows, you know, like, a, like there's so many rare trees here in central Cal coastal California that are some of the worst invasives in the world. Like yeah. Monterey pine is like the number one invasive tree in New Zealand. And it's just any sort of similar climate, like cool oceanic Mediterranean whatever um it just overtakes everything even if planted out of range like it's native to like you know two hills in one area but they plant it everywhere and it just takes over like a lot of that deep dark forest that got burnt that i was referring to was like um monterey pine plantations for a lumber mill nearby so it's like it's weird where it's like i don't want hyper endemics to go extinct but i don't know if it's really up to us to help them move along so much like if they can keep hacking it out in their native you know and that's the thing we found them in a snapshot of time it's always been moving up and down and left and right so it's i don't right. know it's tricky i think for the sake of things not going extinct yeah there's going to be have to be some compromises made but um yeah it's just there's so many ifs that could go horribly wrong like bringing in biocontrols that's gone you know yeah. so wrong so many times Absolutely. I mean, the, the amount of times that like human interference when we're like, oh, we'll just introduce this thing here to take care of this problem. And then it just goes just into absolute chaos. You know, it's like we really only know so much. We don't know what the consequences are going to be of our actions. So, yeah, yeah like I don't know if the extinction of an entire species should be like a punishment for our mistakes, because it's like, well, that species went extinct. We didn't what you know, I get to go to bed tonight. Who gives a shit? But mm -hmm. it's like at the same time, like, well, do we should we mess around with that so badly? Like the American chestnut, they're bringing back these hybrids that are 85 percent American, uh, 15 or so percent Chinese genes. And they have the uh, the resistance to the blight. Mm 
Yeah. And it's like, that's great, yes. But it's like, well, you know, fucking Jurassic Park life finds a way. Like, <laughs> like I want this to be like a bioengineered garden planet, but I think we're kind of a little too primitive to really get there yet. Yeah, that one, that's that's a weird one, I feel like, because they're doing it for cultivation, uh, per, like um, agriculture purposes. So they're trying to reintroduce the chestnut so that basically America can have like roasted chestnuts at Christmas again. Um, and that's it's like a commercial operation. But um, some intelligently or more intelligently operated um, plans to like bring southern plants up north, like help them, assist them, makes sense ethically in a lot of ways because we are the root problem of climate change and we are aware enough uh, that, that we know that some plants are just not going to be able to do it as fast as they need to, so they're going to need some assistance. So I think that we can apply what we know about invasives and uh, what we know about like um, the ecology of any given plant, lots of different plants, and just like kind of move them from California to Oregon and then from Oregon to Washington. I think that that could be done and it could be really helpful. But I'm not thinking like take the the violets from the the endemic violet from Mount Olympus and bring it over to Mount Baker because yeah. <laughs> I just I'm not sure if if we need to do that I, that one might go extinct though is the problem so there's just De like, this yeah. sadness I'm I don't sure know there's what somebody who works in this exact field just like pounding the desk right now. yeah right <laughs> but I do have to stick up for American chestnut because okay. yes I would love to have a chestnut roasting over the open fire yeah <laughs> but they were in the east they were like one in four trees was a chestnut at one point in yeah. certain ecosystems mm, like yeah. they were the redwoods backies they're those pictures of the settlers with their gigantic saws being like it's four wagons wide. I'm like, I can't even imagine a tree that big. Like, out here, there's redwoods. People don't bat an eye. I'm like, that's, like, the biggest thing I've ever seen that's alive. And they're like, oh, there's bigger ones. Huh? Yeah. Like, every, everything's, like, first, second cut. Like, the forests have been, like, clear cut, like, four times. So everything, like, people find... There's, like, a champion sycamore where I went to college. And that's a huge tree. But, you know, it's, it's in somebody's front yard. And so it's kind of this cultivated subject. So I was just... It's such a crazy thing to see yeah I don't know. part of me is like you can do it part of me is like well eh. yeah that one's weird though again like the reason why the chestnuts got the blight is because of some invasive chestnut right or the, some introduced chestnut had some disease and the american native chestnut yeah wasn't resistant to it so it got the the blight this yeah happened. it got wiped and all of the native chestnut trees were wiped out because they brought over that other species so now they're going to introduce a like a what is this a genetically modified or is it it's, it's a hybrid isn't they it? have a hybridizing pro like the old-fashioned way uh and then they have like I, th I don't know maybe i'm speaking out my ass i thought they had a like uh gene insertion program too where they take the oh. resistance and put it but Cursor. i think yeah <laughs> i think the um the the birds and the bees way they're starting to reintroduce those in small pockets wow. to see how they do yeah because it, it's like it's i think pretty much since they went functionally extinct they, this the root sprouts are still around and they're the saddest fucking things because they get to maturity and then they just die back down no <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think they're like they're trying to like some forest trials and some there's definitely some parks in western mass that have some chestnuts going in the ground to like see how they do and you know like an urban environment's one thing yeah supposedly in the next couple decades 
uh, we should expect to roast chestnuts over the open fire. Like that's what their, yeah. that's their projection is that it is going to work. So There know. was an In Defense of Plants episode about the Ozark chinkapin, which is like a close re- relative of the chestnut that went nearly as extinct. And they found like this intact grove that was never affected by the blight and they're like yeah its biggest ah. uh, obstacle is that every time it has a mast year every animal in 100 miles comes and eats the chestnuts because they smell so good that they're like hey they're mm. back let's get it <laughs> yeah funny and really cute yeah just for them it's their little easter egg it's nice <laughs> um well cool i'm getting all sorts of notification saying our call is about to end because I don't pay for premium. Um, is there anything you both want to plug before we get booted? Any upcoming events? I know you have a couple, right? Okay, so coming up with Northwest Natura are some uh, bushcraft field trips, more plant ID field trips, and there is one Fungi Basics crash course that's sold out now that we have a wait list, but we'll have more of those coming up. Um, Basically, what we're trying to do is uh, just teach people about the native plants of our area, Uh, not only how to identify them, but tidbits on their ecology, which can be really helpful with learning how to identify plants around here. And then additionally, talk about the the ethnobotanical uses for these plants. And um, so, yeah, a lot of what I'm talking about during the, the classes is the interesting stuff of like how this was used or still is used um, by peoples of the Pacific Northwest coast. Um, and then the bushcraft stuff is going to start out with just the basics. So bushcraft 101, like how to build a fire, how to use a, a ferro rod to start a fire. And this is the method that Amy was talking about earlier that she felt was so empowering. And indeed it felt empowering to me as well when I first learned it. And so, um, you know, I've been um, turning my no- nose at using a lighter and uh, newspaper to start a fire for a decade. So um, I'm very much attached to this skill. I think that everybody should know how to use it. I, I think that everybody should carry something besides a lighter if they're going to go out camping or something like that, because they're so they're such a good survival tool. They can get wet and you can still make a fire with them. So um, that'll be Sunday, January 29th, that we're going to meet up and do fire with a ferro rod workshop. And there's two spaces left in that one. And then upcoming after that will be some um, Pacific Northwest plant ID and ethnobotany nature walks that I will be announcing this week or next week. And if you want to uh, be in the know about those, just follow us on Instagram. I post it. Uh, I'll post several times the same field trip over and over. And you can subscribe to our email list to be first to know uh, if you go to northwestnatura.com. Sweet. Yeah. It was at this point Google Meets had booted us off the call. But yeah, sign up for their classes. You have seen over the course of the last hour how easy they are to talk to. All right, love you, bye.